Well, once again, good morning. I hope everybody's um, really enjoyed the worship thus far. Um, excited this morning to continue through the book of Colossians. So as I open up everything, if you would, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through chapter 2, verse 5. Um, this week, uh, obviously, the podium's a little different than usual. Uh, we normally have the black uh, actual pulpit style up here. Um, but I'm trying something different with my notes, so I had a different uh, way of uh, having to deliver it. So uh, if that bothers you, I apologize. Let me know, and we can maybe do it different. Uh, but I just want to try something a little different. Um, and also, in a minute, we're going to actually have the Scripture on the screen. I'm going to try that this week. I may or may not like that. I don't know yet. Um, but if you did not know, Frank and Andrika had their baby yesterday. So uh, excited for them. Shoot him a text or a Facebook message and congratulate him. He's already crying um, and already uh, hurting for his son. So uh, I think that's a good sign so far. Um, but this morning, we're going to continue through Colossians uh, like we're preaching through right now. And next week, uh, me and Sarah are going to have the opportunity to go to uh, see my, my brother Jacob. Uh, he's led worship for us before here. Uh, he lives in Kentucky, goes to seminary out there. Uh, so we're going to go see him next weekend because uh, the post office was gracious enough to let me off uh, the Saturday before Labor Day. So I'm going to go out there. And so Troy's going to be in charge next Sunday of how everything flows. So if anything messes up, y'all can call him and let him know. Uh, no, I'm playing. He'll do He'll do fine by himself. And Jamie's preaching. So be in prayer for them. Uh, Troy hasn't been here by himself yet without me being here. And um, and I it's pray for me. I don't. I know there's been times I've let people preach for me on Sunday mornings, but uh, I've only missed one Sunday since I've been here, and that's been three years now. Uh, so I, I'm not used to it. So be in prayer for me, and so I, I, I'm going to miss y'all. Uh, but this morning, we're going to read through Colossians chapter 1. Um, but beforehand, I kind of just wanted to explain um, a little bit of my process when I begin to prepare for a ser sermon. Um, and this, this month, this week, we actually... Uh, if you were here last week, we had Missions Week. So I actually had two weeks uh, to prepare for this one, so maybe it's going to be twice as good. I don't know. Um, but I, I, the way I do it is I'll read through the Scripture uh, just about every day. Uh, I'm not saying I, I read through it every day the last two weeks, but on a normal week when there's only one week, I'll read it every day so I just familiarize myself with it. Um, but also what I have to do first and foremost is before I step on the stage or write anything down on a piece of paper, I'll preach to myself. I have to preach God's Word to myself so that I first and foremost is the one applying it, and then I get the opportunity to preach it to you all. And so as I was reading through this, this is Paul talking about his ministry. Uh, and so we're going to see that in a minute. But I, I got to chapter 2, verse 2, and I just want to read this as my opening. He says, I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all riches of complete understanding of knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. And so I read this, and I read through this scripture time and time again, but about Wednesday, before I came to church, I was reading through it again, and I got so convicted in this moment. Uh, and I'm going to be real open with you and real honest with you this morning, is when I read through this, God said, James, do, do this, is this how you feel? 
Do you want Lighthouse Community Church, the people that go there, do you want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all riches, richness and complete understanding and have all knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ? And if I'm just going to be completely honest with you, this is my goal most of the time. But there's times in my life where this is not the case. There's times in my life where I, 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 I get busy doing other things, caught up in school or work or my personal life, and this really isn't my goal 100% of the time. And, you know, as I read through that and I was thinking and I was praying, I got really convicted in that moment. Because my job as your pastor, as we're going to look at in a little bit, is to equip you for the work that God has. And so if I'm going to be honest, this, this, just to put it in a way that I can understand it, slapped me in the face that, that I was so convicted over this. And so this morning, my desire, and I pray, and I want to encourage you to pray for me as I lead the church, that my desire is always to build the church up. Because... If not, then what are we doing? What am I doing as your pastor? And so I say that not to make myself look good or not to encourage you to not be good or, or, or to just talk about myself. I say that to say first and foremost is that I want to be transparent with you as God has taught me this week because in a minute we're going to look at God's Word and you yourself are, have to, are going to have to look into your life and ask yourself, what am I supposed to do differently? How am I going to grow from this? What is God teaching me this morning? And I wanted to give you an example of myself because it is hard to do that when you stand on a stage of people that you have been with for three years to admit that you did something wrong. But I want you to be open with God here in the next 20 minutes as we look at His Word. So I want to, I want to pray and then we're going to read through the entire scripture we're going to look at this morning. And then we're going to break it down as we go through it. Dear Heavenly Father, I first and foremost, as I've already done it this week, God, I want to repent of the times that I don't focus on growing this church as you desire. That I don't focus on building them up in unity and love so that they can come to the knowledge and the wisdom of you, Lord. And this morning, I just pray as I, as I be transparent, God, that you forgive me. And I pray that the church forgives me as well as when I lack, God. I know we're all sinful and we're all fallen, God, but that doesn't mean we don't have to acknowledge it. And God, I just pray as we look at Your Word and we look at Paul's ministry, God, we don't get caught up too much on the fact that it's Paul is the one talking, God, but we realize that we too are called to a purpose. And God, in that purpose, You have a plan for us to accomplish it. And God, and You have motivation for us to fulfill it, God. And I pray as we look at these three areas this morning, God, that we are motivated to use the plan to accomplish Your calling in our lives. And God, I just pray that ultimately Your will and Your will alone will be done. Not James's, not Troy's, not anyone else's. But God, You do a work only You can do. We love You, we praise You, and we glorify You. In Your Son's perfect and holy name, Amen. So apparently my voice is going out this morning, and I apologize. All right. Verse 24. Yes, Sarah's ought to get on the screen. Nice. Now I rejoice in my suffering for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in the Christ's affliction for his body. That is the church. I have become its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you. To take the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden from the ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints. 
God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ. In you, the hope of glory. Verse 28, we proclaim uh, him warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ, labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. For I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you, for those in Laodicea, and for all of you who have not seen me in person. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love, so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. In Him are hidden the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am saying this so that no one will be deceived with arguments that sound reasonable. For I may be absent in the body, but I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see how well ordered you are and the strengths of the, your faith in Christ. And so when we read through all of this, what we're going to see, as you see in the bottom of the screen, is we're going to look at three different things. We're going to first look at Paul's calling, Paul's plan, and Paul's motivation. But in a minute, we're going to flip the coin around and we're going to look at our uh, calling, our plan, and our motivation. And, and so, But first and foremost, when we read through all of this text, I just want to give you a two-sentence summary of everything we just read. What we see is that Paul's calling was to suffer for the growth of the church, specifically the warning and the teaching uh, specifically to Gentile believers. He fulfilled this by warning and teaching everyone with wisdom so that they may be complete in their understanding and knowledge of Christ. Paul's mission was to grow the church, but he was going to suffer for it. And so that's the first thing we're going to look at is Paul's calling uh, in life. And so we're going to read verses 24 through 27, and then we're going to look at Acts chapter uh, 9. First and foremost, let's look at 24 through 27. He says, Now I rejoice in my suffering for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is, lacking the Christ's affliction for his body, that is the church. I have become its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden from ages and generations but revealed in uh, to his saints god wanted to make known among the gentiles the glorious wealth of the mystery which is in christ and your hope of glory so first and foremost what we see paul saying in verse 24 he says i am rejoicing in my suffering and what we know about paul if it's one thing about paul's life is that paul is a man that went through suffering and he went through persecution and he went through difficulties. Uh, I was going to read it this morning, but I, I forgot to write it down, to be honest with you. But there's a scripture in 1 Corinthians where Paul names everything that he went through. And what I found so significant about Paul's persecutions is that Paul was stoned three times. And if you think about that, think about when somebody got stoned. In, in most cases, they did not come out of it, right? When somebody was stoned, they were stoned to death. And so Paul was stoned three different times. He was imprisoned. He actually wrote this when he would have been in prison, if I'm not mistaken. So what's so amazing is that Paul is talking about rejoicing in his suffering. But why is this? Why is Paul suffering? Why is Paul going through this? Well, in Acts chapter 9, we see uh, in verses 1 through 19, we see the story of Saul becoming Paul. And Saul was this, uh, Saul is Paul, but Saul was a guy before we come to Christ. He, he went around and he persecuted believers. We actually see not too far before this, the death, the death of Stephen. 
We see the death of Stephen. In, in, death, in Stephen's death, he actually was stoned to death. And what happened in this moment was that the Paul would have, Saul would have been there, and so Stephen was getting stoned to death. And what we see is that the people begin to lay their coats at the foot of Saul as they picked up rocks and they casted them at Stephen. And normally what that would have meant is something of the lines, and it may not exactly be the case in this circumstance, but normally what that would have been is that Paul would have been the first one, Saul would have been the first one, they would have picked up a rock and threw it at Stephen. And then everyone that followed would take their cloaks off and they would put it down at the foot of the one that threw the first stone. And then they would continue to throw rocks at him until he died. And so what we see in Saul's life is this is the man he was. He was this Jewish leader that was destroying and killing Christians and imprisoning them and persecuting the church. And on the road to Damascus one day, he was going to, to declare this, this decree from the king for Christianity to be stopped. And he was on this road and this voice comes out and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? See, Jesus himself reveals himself to Paul on the road to Damascus. And when he does this, he is blinded. And when he's blinded, God tells another man named Ananias, he says, look, I'm sending Paul the persecutor to you, and I want you to take him into your house, and I want you to pray for him, and I want you to be there for him. And Ananias was just like many of us. He said, wait, you're you're talking about the man that kills Christians? You mean to let him in my house? And this is how... God responds, he says, But the Lord said to him, Go, for this man is my chosen instrument to make to take my name to the Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Mm. He's, he starts off with the Gentiles. And what we see in Acts and what we see Paul saying to the church of Colossae is that God had a plan for Paul, and that plan was not a nice one. That plan was not one full of roses and a good time. That plan was to be persecuted and to suffer for the name of Christ so that the church could find growth. And Paul says in the beginning, he says, and I rejoice for it because this is for you. I rejoice in my suffering because it is for the church of Colossae. And what I want us to know is that Paul went through that suffering for us as well. But then we see Paul not only has a calling, but he also has a plan to accomplish this calling. So if you would, let's look at 28 through 29. It says, We proclaim Him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this striving with strength that works powerfully in me. So Paul has this this mission. Paul has this calling. God's calling him to build up the church. And he says, we do this by proclaiming him. I want to first look at this word that Paul uses in the first part of chapter 20, verse 28. He doesn't say I. He doesn't say me. He doesn't say myself. He says we. Because Paul was including the church in this declaration. And so first thing he says is we proclaim him. Who is him that he is talking about? Who is this individual? He's talking about Christ. He says, we begin by proclaiming Christ. We proclaim Christ, but he goes on, he tells us how. He says, warning and teaching everyone. Warning and teaching. The first thing we see is that he says, warning those. Warning everyone. And so what does he mean by that? Because that's not a word that we see Paul use on a regular basis. So what does he mean by that? 
What he's talking about is Paul understood that we have this perfect and holy and almighty and powerful God that, that cannot be with sin. Because He is so perfect and so understanding, He can't be with those that are sinful. But He knows that humanity is fallen. We see that all through Paul's letters. Read Romans chapter 3, Romans 6, Romans 10. When you read Paul's letters, he is clear that man is fallen and sinful. And because they have rejected God and turned away from Him, they cannot be with God forever. And so what does he mean by warning was that, that there's got to be a way out. Because the outcome for those that don't know Christ is an eternal damnation from God forever in a place called hell. And so he says warn them. But warning is just not the bad stuff, right? If we just say, hey, when you die, if you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell. But we never tell them what the outcome of how to, to prevent that and how to come to Jesus is a problem. So what we see is that Paul is also declaring that we share the gospel with people. That we tell them that there was a man named Jesus Christ that was God that stepped out of heaven and lived on earth for 33 years. The hunger on the cross got put in a tomb and resurrected three days later. And when he did that, he conquered hell, death, the grave, and sin. Paul is saying, look, warn them. Share the gospel with them. But not only that, he says, teach them. That we teach them. Not only do we share the gospel with them and we get them to follow after Christ, but we teach them how to continue to follow after Christ. And I don't want to get on a soapbox, but that right there is, I think, I think that's the thing that the church has failed at tremendously in the years past. It's we've shared the gospel with them, we've done crusades, we did all of these things, but we've never sat down and told people how to read Scripture, how to follow after Christ, and how to be His disciples. So Paul is saying, I'm going to accomplish the plan that God has, the calling that God has, by first warning them, sharing the gospel with them, teaching them how to follow after Christ. He's, he's sharing Christ with them, he's teaching Christ with them, but he goes on, he says, with all wisdom and teach with all wisdom. Paul understood that his wisdom wasn't enough. Paul understood that it wasn't his name that he was preaching to. And Paul understood that it wasn't his knowledge that he was presenting to his people. It was the wisdom from the Lord, the Most High. When you read James, it says, the wisdom, true wisdom comes from the Lord. And so what we see is that Paul understood that it wasn't his knowledge he was presenting, it was the God's knowledge that he's presenting to him. And what's so significant about that is Paul was not a dumb man. Paul was on the road to be a Pharisee and a Sadducee. Paul would have spoken multiple languages. Paul would have known the entire uh, first four books of the Old Testament by heart. Paul was an intelligent man, and he's saying with all wisdom, wisdom from above. But see, not only does he say, that they, he preached Christ and he taught to follow Christ. But he goes on in verse 21.9. He says, And I labor for this striving with His strength that works powerfully in me. He says, I trust in Christ too. For Christ is the one that gives me strength to accomplish this. So Paul is saying, I preach Christ, I teach Christ, and I trust Christ. So we see first thing is Paul's calling was to build the church up. His plan was to proclaim Christ. And his motivation is simple. We see it in verses 1 through 5, and then we're going to pause and we're going to go back to verse 2 and kind of focus on it. It says, For I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you, for those in Laodicea and for all that have not seen me. 
I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches and complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. In Him all are hidden all the treasures and wisdom and knowledge. I am saying this so that no one will, be deceived, will deceive you with arguments of sound reason. For I am absent in the body, but I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see how well ordered you are and strength of your faith in Christ Jesus. So verse 2 though, we see in all of this that, that His plan is to build up the church. He's talking about specifically Laodicea and the church of Colossae that he's never met before. But he wants to strengthen the church so much and he's suffering for them. But he goes on in verse 2 and he's back to what I started off with this morning. He says, I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love. Paul's motivation is so that the church can be a church that is joined together in love. But he, he explains how this has to happen. It says, so that they may have all the rich and complete understanding of the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. It's, it's simple. Paul's motivation is, is clear. He's saying, look, and I'm just going to lay it down for us. He's saying, my motivation is for the lost to be saved and for those that come to know Christ, the babies in Christ, to be discipled. And so that they can be unified in the love of Christ. He says, all of this knowledge comes from Christ. It is provided by Christ. And so my desire and my motivation in all of this is because lost people are going to die and go to hell. And those that come to Christ and are never discipled will never do anything more for Christ. And accept him. So Paul's motivation is just simple and it's plain and it's clear. He's saying, look, the people who don't know Christ, and they need to know him, and those that come to know Christ need to be discipled so that they can be unified in Christ in love. But what does it mean for us? We're looking at Paul's calling, but many of you may be like me, and you think of who Paul is, and you're thinking, well, I'm nothing like Paul. Paul wrote, 13 books of the, the New Testament. He planted church after church. He went on three missionary journeys. He, he went through stuff that, that most men would have died from before they even made it through to the first one. As I talked about, he was stoned. He was imprisoned. He sat in prison in that time period. It would have been more like a sewer system. And he sat in the bottom of it, chained up against a wall. Paul went through so much stuff. And so you may be thinking, I'm not Paul. I can't do this. I, I, I can't do what Paul did. I'm not called to be Paul. I'm called to be James. I'm called to be Troy. I'm called to be Lynn. I'm, I'm called to be Matt. I'm not called to be Paul. Well, in reality, God is calling us for something. And I want to look at Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 12. You can turn if you want, but you do not have to. He says, And he himself, speaking of Christ, gave some to be apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. And so I, I read 11 and 12 because I wanted to be clear on the way I started off this morning. What we see this morning, and I was honest with you, that sometimes I don't focus on the things I need to focus on, and my focus isn't what he's telling us to do right here. He's talking to, to the church, he's talking to pastors, and he says, look, God has given some to be pastors and teachers and evangelists and apostles. God has he's provided this calling for some men. If you're in here and you're thinking, well, I'm not called to be a pastor. I'm not called to be a teacher. I'm not called to go and share the gospel with people in, in, in large crowds, right? That may not be you. But the focus here is he's telling us the job of the pastor, the job of the teacher, the job of the evangelist is in verse 12. Equipping the saints. 
This word saints is, is, uh, would be interchangeable for what we would call a Christian nowadays, a disciple. Whatever terminology you want to use there, if you know Jesus and you follow after Him, you are a saint. You are a, a believer in Christ Jesus and you've been saved and you follow after Him, then He's talking to you. He says, equipping the saints, that's you if you're saved, for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. The same thing that Paul was called to do was to build up the body of Christ. So he is calling all of us for the sake of ministry to build up the body of Christ. So if you're here and you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've accepted Christ as your, your Savior and, and, and you follow after Him or you haven't started following after Him like you're called to, I want you to know it, it, without a doubt that you're called to the work of the ministry. To build up the church. Now your, yours may look a little different than mine or may look a little different than everybody else's, but that is your calling. Paul's calling was the same. To build up the church. Your calling is the same. It's to build up the church. My calling is to equip you to build up the church. As I said in the beginning, I apologize. I repent of the times that I don't do that. I want you to keep me accountable to that. But what is our plan though? How are we going to do this? How are we going to build up the church? Well, let's look at what he says in verse 28. He says, We proclaim Him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, striving with His strength that works powerful in me. Our, our plan is the same as Paul's plan. Our calling is the same as Paul's calling. Our plan is to proclaim Christ. Our plan is to go into the world, wherever you may work or go to school or who, who you talk to, who you spend time with, and proclaim Christ to them. Warn them of the separation that they have with the Father and tell them how to follow after Jesus. Tell them what Christ did on the cross and rising three days later. Proclaim Christ. Warn them the outcome of their life of sinfulness and, and not knowing Christ. But don't do that. Don't, don't end with just that. Teach them how to follow after Jesus. Teach them how to, to read the Word. Teach them how to, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Not just to get saved and to do nothing more. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, you know them by their fruits. It's clear here. It's our plan, first and foremost, is to proclaim Christ. To teach Christ. And to trust in Christ in this. He says in verse 29, this His strength that works powerfully in me. Paul had the same Holy Spirit living in him that lives in you. Paul had the strength, same strength that you have. And Jesus and the Holy Spirit is still going to empower you just like He did Paul and just like He did all of the other disciples and just like He's done everybody since then. So your calling is, is to build up the church for the work of ministry and your plan is to proclaim Christ. My plan is to proclaim Christ. But what is your motivation? It's got to be the same as Paul's was. For the lost to be saved. For the babes in Christ to grow up in spiritual maturity. See, so often we, we lose track of this. I think, and I love this marriage study we're doing because it's talking about marriage in the light of eternity because so often what we do is we separate our life from the idea of eternity. We get focused on every little thing that happens here, but we don't think about what's going to happen after we take our last breath. As Francis says in this video, he's in, he, not in that one, but in the one we watched Wednesday, he says, you know, you're going to live 75, 85 years. If you're lucky, you may live to 100, 105. Uh, if, and, and, 
But what's going to happen is you're going to take your last breath one day and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of years later, you're still going to be somewhere. And so often what we get caught up on is the jobs we want or the cars we want or the life we want and we get caught up in, in the rat race of America and of our lives but we forget about eternity and the reality of eternity is that there are some people that don't know Jesus. I want you to think about somebody that don't. Think about that co-worker, that family member, that person that's going to watch a football game with you next Saturday that doesn't know Jesus. Really, think about it. Have I got somebody? That is your motivation. Your motivation is for the lost to be saved, for those to be taught how to follow Christ, and so that they can come to the complete understanding of Christ. Paul is calling, plan, and motivation is clear. Our plan, our calling, plan, and motivation is clear as well. We're called to build up the church. We're called to work for the ministry. We're called to do it by proclaiming Christ. And our motivation is that lost have to be saved to come to Christ. And they, they have to be saved through Christ Jesus. Now that's the only way they can be saved. And as I began with you this morning, I told you first and foremost is that I had to repent before I stepped on this stage and repent of the times that I don't equip you like I'm called to. But I stand before you as a congregation and I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit my life to that. I, that's what I've done already and I'm going to continue to do it. But I'm going to try to do better this time. I'm going to try to do better with what God has given me. But the question I have for you is are you going to join in with me? See, I can only equip those that want to be equipped. I can only lead those who want to be led. I can only teach those that want to be taught. This morning, are you going to join in with me? Because we have a calling. God has given us a plan, and He has given us a motivation. But the issue is, I have to equip you, and you have to be equipped to do it. This morning, as Troy comes... My first quote, my first thing I want to say is the motivation's clear. And I think that's where it all boils down to. The motivation's clear of what we're supposed to be doing. If you're here and you're saying, if you're here to follow after Jesus, then are you ready to do what God has called you to do? Because if you thought about that lost person in your life, they need to know Jesus. There's no doubt in my mind about that. That's clear right there. But if you're here and you don't know Jesus, have you thought about your eternity? How billions and billions and billions and billions of years after you take your last breath, you're going to be somewhere. This morning, I pray that however God is talking to you, that you respond. If you want to come down and pray, you want to stand up and pray, you want to sit where you are and pray, you want to talk to me, you want to stand up and you want to praise Jesus because we're going to sing a song called The Old Rugged Cross and in, as you saw in this message, we proclaim Christ, we teach Christ and we share Christ and we trust in Christ and it is all because Christ in Christ alone and it's because He, is all, he hung on that old rugged cross. So this morning, however God's speaking to you and however you, He's calling you to respond, respond. But I'll stand over here if you need me. Come see me. If you want to pray, pray. If you want to stand, stand. If you want to worship, worship. Dear Heavenly Father, we come down and we thank you for this day. God, once again, I repent of my failures, God. And God, I pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, they repent of their sin and they turn to you. But God, as many of us are your followers, your believers, your disciples, God, 
And I just pray that they repent of their lack of concern for the lost, their lack of concern for your, their relationship with you, God. And they, they repent of that and they allow you to equip them through the church, God. And this morning, I pray that whatever you're doing, whatever work you're doing, God, that you do it. I pray that we don't harden our hearts. We don't close our minds. We don't close our ears. But God, we respond as you call us to and how you feel fit. In your name's precious and your son's precious and holy name. Amen.